Dana Dawa here. And on this episode of Reclaiming the Garden, we are um, reclaiming the couch. <laughs> Um, That is the name of the group chat that we have with our uh, podcast pals at uh, Couch Communion, Sarah and Jordan. Um, This is our sort of first collab. You can check out um, on their podcast feed. uh, They will have an episode uh, where we do Bible Jeopardy with them. Yes, Uh, um, it was very fun. It was very frustrating. But we don't want to give we don't want to give anything away. So please, please, please um, go listen to that episode. And while you're there, go listen to their other episodes, too, because they're our friends. They started a little bit after we did and they are fantastic. Um, We absolutely love their podcast. Yeah. Um, And so on for our podcast here, we decided to do a kind of year in review. So it's not quite the interviews that y'all might be used to with us. because they talk, they talk pretty extensively about their own faith journeys on their podcast, so mm-hmm. we want to do something a little different. And we talked a lot about um, the fact that like deconstruction has becoming has eh, has become a more mainstream like term, and what that means yeah. for like the world and how people are reacting to it. You know, the, all yeah. the bullshit from the Gospel Coalition. We get into that. So oh yeah, like you uh, know that it's a mainstream thing when evangelical America is afraid of it. So mm-hmm. we definitely get into that and every and all offshoots of just talking about how exvangelicalism uh, took over this year. Yeah, and all the other sort of, um, a lot of evangelical scandals that happened this year, like Joss Jagger and Ravi Zacharias, um, mm. and also some good things too, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we tried to make this a very well-rounded year in review. Obviously, there were things we probably missed, but this Certainly. episode's already going to be almost two hours as it is. So, uh, we hope that you uh, yeah. stay. But yeah, before we get into our interview with Sarah and Jordan, we just wanted to do one last plug before the new year, and that is we have merch available now, so you can get t-shirts, mugs. Yeah, it's just t-shirts yeah. and mugs <laughs> with um, with um, our phrase Bible Dyke Energy on it. Um, and we do not believe in gatekeeping in this swamp. If you identify as a dyke, whatever that means for you, you are more than welcome to share in our merch. Um, so if you are interested in purchasing one of those, please go to our Teespring. The link is in our bio on all of our social media And in our show notes. So, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, so if you're interested, be sure to get yourself one of those. Yeah, any... Any other housekeeping before we get started? Uh, I don't think so. Let's get into the year in review. Awesome. Let's jump in. Alrighty. So we are with our friends from Couch Communion, Jordan and Sarah, and here are their bios. So first we have, yeah, first we have uh, Jordan Manchek. She, her is a messy individual. She is a PhD student studying higher education policy, a lover of all nerd stuff, a book hoarder, a mom of soon to be two boys and wife to a devout and wonderful Catholic man. Her faith journey has brought her on many twists and turns, and she wouldn't say she's out of the wilderness when it comes to taking her ownership of her faith, but she's learning to trust God to guide her through it with compassion and an open heart. And next we have Sarah Kaufman, pronouncer she, her, is a sci-fi nerd, theater lover, plant enthusiast, and so-called functioning adult. Ugh, same. She is a licensed social worker at a regional food bank and is passionate about social justice, mental health awareness, and making sure people everywhere feel loved and cared for. Her faith has changed and grown in many ways over the years, and even though she's deconstructing the faith she was raised in, she will always love a good Southern hymn and a Baptist potluck. So, Jordan and Sarah, thank you so, so much for being yes. on the show. We, like, always knew that this collaboration was going to happen. Like, the second, <laughs> the 
second that we like saw your podcast, we were like, "Ooh, two <laughs> women who were also discussing like questioning faith and evangelicalism," <laughs> and um, yeah, you Here guys also are. launched like shortly after we did, so we also feel like we were like, you know, like underdogs starting out. We got to support each other, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We got sure. together. Um, yes. Yeah. Podcast gal pals. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like as we as we post, sometimes we'll like come up with a topic and be like, oh yeah, we should record that in a couple weeks, and then the next day I'll go on and you guys post an episode about it. <laughs> right. I like kept I seeing that we were like on the same wavelength a lot of the time. Like our purity culture episodes came out. Like I think we posted a little bit after you yes. did. Um, yeah, we've been very much on the same wavelength and with that sort of thing. Um, so. Yeah. Yes. The vibes were there. We just needed to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, so on on our during our interviews, we usually talk a lot about people's personal faith backgrounds. But because you guys actually do that like at length on your own podcast, Couch Communion, y'all should go over and check it out. Um, we figured a more yes. fun we figured a more fun thing to do would be like something a bit different. And you guys also love talking about on your podcast pop culture, like things that are happening in the world. So we figured it was the perfect thing to do a sort of year in review, uh, talking about what's happened in like the faith and deconstruction world this year, uh, both in the world mm-hmm. and our personal lives. So uh, to start off, I think an interesting thing to discuss is the fact that like this year, um, the word exvangelical and deconstruction has been getting a lot more mainstream coverage um in the media right now and have just a Mm -hmm. few articles a sampling of articles pulled up that are like all from this year you know talking about um well mostly all from this year except this one by bradley onishi who also has a good podcast uh, straight white american jesus um his articles from 2019 but you know a lot of these when you look up like Mm -hmm. the word exvangelical most of the articles you see they're from this year um so it's interesting to like talk about like why that is i think the pandemic has a lot to do with it um and to talk about also the sort of reaction that this main more mainstream presence has gotten which is like a lot of awful reaction from the evangelical establishment (laughs) so um yeah it's interesting that you say that the pandemic is is a is kind of a catalyst for this because it, I'm just now remembering that my husband and I were talking about at the height of the pandemic we were saying like we wonder what this is going to do to the church because you have all these people at home and they're having to you know interact with church in a medium that's mm-hmm. different than what they normally do and when mm-hmm. you strip away the physical location and the routines of it all what's actually left of a church is it you know, you kind of find out, is it just smoke jeans or is it actually mm. like a community? Right. And I think at the time I was more hopeful and I was like, maybe this means that people are really going to genuinely want to engage with people because they miss it. And now I'm looking back and I'm like, or maybe we're just going to be really able to see, you know, the hypocrisy going on mm-hmm. in church. Well, right. Especially when many, you know, many evangelical churches actually were just such in a rush to get back to normal you know like i know the church i grew up in opened up in like june of last year (laughs) so yeah yeah oh yeah well there was a church that i just saw a video about and i i honestly don't know how recent this was but they like started their services back they were maybe in new jersey and they had like a huge gathering with their church and a few others and they were super like you can't tell us to get vaccinated you can't tell us to mask so they didn't and it 
caused an outbreak that spread to a like residential living facility and like three people died of COVID because they caught it from the syringe. Oh, jeez. And uh, the county or the state was like trying to make them pay these fines and hmm. now they're going on a whole martyr complex. Of journey. course, there's, uh, yeah, right? Another thing that yeah. I think makes people more angry is like this whole evan evangelicals are more in their persecution complex than ever because they think that they're being forced to wear masks forced to get vaxxed forced to not worship in the way that they want to worship like it's just and the irony of all of that is is that like i feel like being at home and worshiping from home and having like very small community is like closest to the original mm, church mm-hmm. right like there weren't these like big yes, ass mega yeah. churches or anything that people were worshiping yeah. and it was in homes they took communion in private like, around a dinner table yeah so exactly yeah. like yeah. and it's and it just kind of goes to show how like far that i mean like i guess we already kind of knew this but like it just goes to show how far that like the church has fallen from its original roots um yeah i think too it's yeah you know it's it really feels like it's a long time coming the whole situation um, mm-hmm. to built and built and built because I was thinking the other day I, I had to do an assignment for a graduate course that I did um, I guess this was summer mm-hmm. of 2020 um, and it was called a culture gram and it's where you like break down mm-hmm. all the parts of your identity based in different areas of your life and it kind of is a, like a just a, an image of who you yeah. are my professor commented on it. it was like this is really funny but I described myself as a recovering evangelical. And I was, at the time, still associating with, like, that I am a part of that, that you know, that tradition still. Um, but the yeah. phrase recovering evangelical came to me, you know, then. And I was, I think, in that process already of saying, mm-hmm. you know, there's... Oh yeah, yeah I right. I identified so I as like a, a long time coming. In 2017, I identified as like a questioning evangelical, you know, like I but I was on my way out the door, like really really yeah. fast after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can think about I can think about some things happening when I was about 16 in the, in oh, in the church sure. that I that I was going uh, maybe yeah. <laughs> you know yeah but so, um yeah. I think another. You know, another interesting thing I think why ex-evangelicals are rising to prominence is that we actually have, I think, a lot to say about some of the political situations in this country, particularly like the the insurrection this year. That was that was the epitome mm-hmm. of the political desires of like the moral majority movement that started in the 1980s. Like that that was the inheritance of all of that. Like them stor- storming the Cap- Reagan. Storming, <laughs> them storming the Capitol and trying to install a theocracy. That was what they were doing. They were praying in the Capitol building. Uh, they were praying that the blood of Jesus would cover this place, which is so loaded <laughs> in so many ways. And is why oh I God. think we need to we need to re-examine yeah. our view of the cross. Um, if you believe, you know, if you focus on the wrath and the blood and the death, like that's that's what the theology creates. Yeah, like they were erecting crosses and they were also erecting nooses at the same time. So, like, I think they lost the plot somewhere, clearly. Like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> lost the plot, yeah. And, you know, and it, it, the, I think it's like hugely that sticks out of my mind about that too was that when that happened when it was going on like when we were in the moment watching the news i remember standing in my in my house watching it on the tv and i'm thinking 
I honestly, I remember thinking the hardest part of what's going on for me right now in this moment is that I'm not shocked. Oh, yeah. No. That and I'm embarrassed and I'm disgusted, yeah. but I'm not shocked. It all, mm-hmm. I mean, the I wanted no. to, I wanted no, to. I was, I was horrified, but I wasn't surprised because. The martyr complex. You know, because I understood, at that point, I had already listened to so many other fellow ex-indialogals that talk about the history and that talk about how, like, this is kind of what it's been leading to. And, um, you know, I remember being yeah. surprised. I remember I was surprised by Trump's election in, in 2016, but in hindsight, I, I am not surprised at all. <laughs> Like, yeah, they they traded their thirty pieces of silver in order to get more conservative judges on the court. That's what they yep. did. There we go. There and it you is. know what fucking yeah. sucks is that it's possibly going to happen. Like, I mean, there's already going to be challenges to Roe v. Wade. Like, it's scary. That's another thing that's been happening this year. At the end of the year, like we're seeing that, you know, Amy Coney Barrett is going to definitely rough some shit up for women's rights. So. Yeah, for her. Really, just it's so stupid because, like, it's so stupid for a plethora of reasons. Because one, conservatives didn't care about abortion until segregation failed, at least on paper. Like, I realize that there are aspects of Jim Crow and stuff still out there today. Like, there's so much injustice, but like, segregation on paper was made illegal, and the moral majority was like, "Oh, nuts! We need something to be mad about." Let's be mad mad about abortion. Yeah. Yeah, and that's like where it started. It's not some old. They needed to create thing. a voting block. Um, also, I mean, I guess yeah. abortion's mentioned in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because abortion's mentioned in the Bible, and it's how to make a tea to induce induce an abortion in an unfaithful woman. So I guess abortion is mentioned in the Bible, but not in the way that they would want it to be mentioned. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's and how like, to have your own abortion. I mean, yeah, it it really the yeah. whole. The whole insurrection really exposes the white supremacist origins of and violent origins of this mm-hmm. political religious movement. Um, and of course, a lot of evangelicals yeah. who were in that insurrection also are tied up in QAnon bullshit. So that rose to prominence too this year, huh? More QAnon. It really makes my heart go out for for people who are like hanging on to evangelicalism by like a thread. We should just, like, okay. We should make a distinction that like mostly. White evangelicalism is part of the problem here. There are actually there are iterations of evangelicalism in, in communities of color that like are not like this. Uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. And because of that, because of because of that division and that, that like that distinction that is happening, like my it comes it, and I know it comes from my background of working with students. Like my first reaction always has to mm-hmm. be this way before I jump to any kind of conclusion, which is like what needs are not being met. Like, what is it that the church is not doing yeah. that mm-hmm. is causing people to feel this isolated and this, um, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like desperate? Yeah. I mean, like what's, what is making them feel this marginalized, even though they're not, <laughs> but yeah. like, what is it that about the church that we're yeah. not doing that is pushing them to these extremes? Yeah. Uh, now that doesn't mean that responsibility, all of the rest of us. Right. Yeah. I'm wondering, yeah. like, is, there, is there a piece missing, you know? Yeah, and it's, like, the persecution complex thing, like, as someone who went to a private school, like, private Christian school, and was in a very evangelical church and had a lot of evangelical friends and people in mission work and stuff, like, the persecution complex has always been there. 
like I mentioned this, I think in our last episode about like our church experiences is that like when I was in private school, again, I went to school with a lot of missionary kids um, and a lot of pastor's kids. Like I was the one where I was like, I just believe in the thing. Um, But it was very, like, I remember being told by kids, like, if you go into public school, like you're gonna stumble and you're gonna be persecuted because yeah, okay. people won't believe what you believe. Yeah, it's also, like the irony of that was like my friends so were Mormon, I, and like <laughs> yeah. So I, as someone who does count as the oldest end of Generation Z, I heard what I was hearing is millennials are leaving the church. Millennials are leaving the church. This sort of like anxiety around it, and you know, I think what's happening, particularly with like the with the prominence of um, the evangelical narratives and deconstructed narratives and also uh, while i'm on this topic in case for some reason people listening to this don't know what the word evangelical is um it's a pun it's it, yeah it's technically a pun that was created by uh twi- well i guess twitter user slash podcaster blake chastain um in 2016 uh because you know mm-hmm. the the evangelicals yes. rallying around trump and like he was deconstructing a lot of things and so he wanted to talk about it and um so he created the hashtag exvangelical to sort of start to gather community and you know i yeah. think like late 2017 early 2018 it started to gain a lot more traction um, yeah lot. also exvangelical is on wikipedia now you can find yes. a whole article yeah. on so it was, being an exvangelical. I think, I think it was in se- september yeah. or october that that was like created um which also shows i think like that it's getting a lot more prominence because I, I don't think it was even blake chastain who created it he was actually like a bit surprised that <laughs> it happened i think yeah it says it says the hashtag was coined by blake chastain yeah. but yeah well he made, didn't create the yeah at the very least like that's what the wikipedia article is attributing um, to yeah. yeah yeah and so um wait i was on yes yeah, so also the word deconstruction um you know what's interesting it comes from like the philosophy of um well the word originally comes from the philosophy of Jacques Derrida, but the way that we use the term Mm -hmm. isn't technically semantically correct, but the thing is that I think about it is that, like, it's a metaphor. It's not really taking from philosophy so much as, like, you're you're taking a house apart. (laughs) That's that's how I think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've sort of coined the term for ourselves in a way. Methodical critical analysis yeah it, it, it still is part it's like that yeah making the pieces and examining yeah i mean it it has a connection really to of, the philosophy yeah who it, it's original ph- yeah. philosophical definition but yeah actually i think mason meniga yeah. in some of his youtube videos he talks about it so now that we've sort of defined those terms um you know the the prominence of these narratives i think uh, along with the fact that they're they're you know we're now seeing that people from gen z like me the oldest part of gen z are also like leaving evangelicalism i think the establishment like the gospel coalition john piper um even like some folks at christianity today honestly are scared shitless you know they really they're seeing that like whatever they tried to whatever yeah. they, they whatever they tried to do to keep millennials in the church did not work for me <laughs> so you know like the the hip the hip music yeah. the hip music and the hip coffee bars that shit didn't work okay <laughs> It did not keep me yeah. there. It was never about branding. Yeah. Yeah. And what's so interesting yeah, is Yeah, and I found I a quote from Russell... Oh, yeah, wait, as, is that the article? I think I know the article you're going to quote. It's like, yeah, I found my, dad, a... my yeah. dad taught me how to love the evangelical, and it's like, you're not listening to us, goddammit. No, <laughs> it's actually a quote from Russell Moore, um, who's the director of public theology at Christianity Today. Um, and he found that, 
he he says that if he were a teenager today he may have also left the church and found that they've come to think the church doesn't believe its own moral teachings and so the presenting issue in the secularization is not scientism and hedonism but disillusionment and cynicism which is like yes and yes mm. you know like there is that cynicism and that disillusionment but also like we were you can't be in a religion that denies like basic fact and rights. Yeah. Yeah, we were not just hurt. Okay? Yeah, it's like we a combination like... of both. I I hate it when it's yeah, like, and, and oh, like, you leave I the church because of church when hurt. Bring it up like, on cynicism, because yeah, because, you know, I I hate it when people are like, you know, the millennials are all just like cynics. They just don't, you know. They don't really um, want to engage in the conversation. They just want to be mad about it. But that's not the thing. The thing is, is that we're having two different conversations. When people talk about deconstruction in that light, it's like they're talking about, they're not talking about deconstruction. They're talking about destruction. And that's not what the goal is. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I think just, we've talked a little bit sort of about what, because I am, well, I guess, well, yeah, I'm the oldest person working but um like as a same age i still have golden months of 29 left (laughs) the 30 year old representative (laughs) i feel like one thing that really at least for my own deconstruction along with the like trying to appeal to young people and whatever there was Mm -hmm. such a focus on the like culture wars Mm -hmm. that were happening and i yeah high school and like it was such a you know public schools trying to teach you evolution and we can't let that happen because that's like we can't oh my gosh yeah i i gave my biology teacher so much grief i wish i could apologize to her (laughs) i was that kid well it's funny because when we went to bible college uh, we shouldn't call it bible college it was just a christian university but um (laughs) My biology mm-hmm. professor there was actually the one who was like, yeah, you can believe in science yeah. and Jesus. Like, there's no, we are going to learn about evolution. And I you're flipping all loved my like biology professor. Like, yes, let's talk about it, please. And she was great. But back to my original point, mm-hmm. um, to, to grow up hearing about this, like, you know, the left and the progressives and the Democrats and whatever, they don't have a moral compass and they're so wishy-washy and they don't have a right and wrong and then to fast forward to like 2016 where all of a sudden i'm like hey this trump guy is a slime ball yeah he's wishy-washy and has no he's sense of right and, and wrong and, exhibits exactly <laughs> and he said and you know he'd grab women by the no. pussy like which is a very not pussy, evangelical yeah. thing to do question mark <laughs> apparently actually wait we should talk about how that is an evangelical yeah. thing to do because because actually another thing that happened this oh, year yes. was a lot of sexual abuse scandals continue to come out of evangelical spaces you know we started off the year with like Robbie yeah. Zacharias mm-hmm. um in like February um you know like so many literally like so many stories just, yeah I actually just read about the Robbie Zacharias thing today i totally missed it mm-hmm. i was checked out at that but also i didn't come from like a christian upbringing where i knew a lot about like mega mm-hmm. evangelicals like i knew billy Graham, the the leaders of the yeah. of the of the pack right yeah. like i'd never really heard of robbie or robbie zacharias but um holy shit all the things that he did i didn't know it was that bad and then i just was reading through all of them today 
Um, you know, what I'm what I was reading mm-hmm. before we started recording, um, there is this um on the Ravi Zacharias Ministries website, there's an open letter from the International Board of Directors on the investigation of Ravi Zacharias, and they apologize for that how they have reacted and behaved in an investigation that happened previously. Um, or no, maybe not now an investigation, but allegations that happened previously. They say that like um, the investigation's conclusions have caused us to think very differently about the allegations Miss Lorianne Thompson made in, against Robbie in 2017. We were wrong. Our trust in Robbie's denial of moral wrongdoing and in his deceptive explanations of emails and other records that became public was severely misplaced. And our failures in 2017, including our failure to commission an inv- independent at the investigation at the time, allowed tremendous pain to continue to be caused in the Thompsons' lives. Um, so, you know, I think, like, although they did do badly in the past, apparently, with how they reacted to certain things, they are doing a lot better now in that they, you know, this, they're, they they actually made, the, yeah. this was a private investigation that they decided to make public. So I think it's good that they decided to do that, you know, and they also honored all of the victims' wishes yeah. besides Lorianne Thompson because she was already public, but the other victims are, are remain anonymous, so, which is their wishes. Um, yeah. Which is good. Um, yeah, and they actually, yeah. they also lay out a plan of, like, um, organizational reform, like, they actually are laying out specifically what they're going to do, which includes survivor care, which is really great. Um, so it's, like, good. Jeez, that, it's what? Good to see. A company taking accountability? I know, specifically, like, an evangelical company, know, and it's, yeah, inter- it's, like, it's interesting that they do say that, yeah. like, they, you know, in years past, they acted like many institutions do, and they tried to probably protect themselves, but they're actually... I feel like part of me is like, oh, this is yeah. hope for change that like these institutions can actually change. So yeah, it's like the bare minimum, and I'm glad that they've done it. Oh no. So okay. Any other yeah. thoughts Sorry about, about that. any of some? Oh, I have some thoughts about Robbie actually. Okay, so Christianity Today also published like a article about the the story. Looks like they're quoting the 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 ministry statement um and so that's good that they're also talking about it just given that they're the biggest evangelical publication um do you do you subscribe to christianity today oh no i i mean because the thing is although no. it has how, some how do it you... has some good people in it but like also a lot of bullshit like let's actually just read a few bits from that russell moore i mean i guess you already cited apart but like in this Russell but, Moore but article how do you get access to the articles because I get blocked on all the articles because it's members only well okay so if you're reading and things that I are like I do want to read some of it I think the last few months are available um they should be at least the one that I'm reading like from Russell Moore should still be um so it's, just, it's also, just the right articles. Then. Of course, also there's this, it, I, it links to, in the article, it also says like, oh, you might like this. The Church Needs Reformation, Not Deconstruction by Tish Harrison Warren, who's a part of the non-affirming yeah, Anglican the, Church. That's the um, one that I want to read. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would not trust Tish Harrison Warren because she joined the non-affirming Anglican no. Church in America. So, like, it's called the Anglican Church in America, yeah, I think, no. yeah. Yeah, um, the whole, oh, 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 I could spend a whole lot of time talking about the Anglican Church in America because <laughs> I've learned a lot about them since uh, my transition to the Episcopal Church. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, no, because her article was so, um, f- the first 
you know, one, two, three, four, five paragraphs that the Christianity today will let me read um, was so <laughs> flippant. I think flippant is the word that That's I That's a perfect like word to, to describe, like, the whole reaction of the establishment. I mean, like, um, actually something I... Let's see. So uh, this is from an article on Religion News Service um, by Bla- Blake Chastain and... Um, in a recent episode of Christianity Today is the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast, host Mike Cosper spends some time with several guests reflecting on the growing ranks of ex-evangelicals, those who have left white evangelicalism for a different form of faith or for no faith at all. Cosper's tone and that of his guest is sober, grieved. Why have so many left? Why are they so angry at evangelicalism? One guest, Baylor professor Matthew Lee Anderson, claims that those who use the term did not experience the mainstream evangelical experience. That the very bad experiences they had were sociologically actually quite marginal experiences inside of white evangelicalism, and I beg to differ. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I can, yeah, when no. I can sit on the podcast and talk about my my growing up experiences in the church and have followers and people on Instagram go, "Oh, me too." Oh my God, me too. You yeah. definitely. Right. It is the majority you're, experience. You're having, I would argue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, this is maybe a side point, but it I think this is also an example of when especially the American church uh, learns a new word and then absolutely slams it into the ground. Right. They try to but make like, it meaningless. Yeah. 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 And yeah. like but that's how like again, back when I was in high school, tolerance was like the word that people yeah. shut up about and oh tolerance is this thing yeah. you have to accept everyone and blah 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 and they ruined it. That's it's not it's not what it meant, and I think people don't want to know what we mean when we say evangelical. They don't really want to know what we mean. Well, because then it would mean having to assess their own faith and having yeah. to actually and actually ask listen listen, the listen to our story. Like that's the thing is that I think yeah. what's so frustrating is that they don't even want to listen. Like even in my personal experiences, they they don't want to listen. Yeah. And that's what hurts the most, actually. Not even that they disagree with me, but that just they absolutely refuse any conversation about it. Yeah, and it's, I think people can personalize it, too. Mm -hmm. Thing that they have to think. Oh, also, let's go over, Mm -hmm. um, speaking of people who continue to consistently misunderstand deconstruction, um, the the Gospel Coalition article that, like, absolutely blew up the evangelical world, The Four Causes of Deconstruction by Joshua Ryan Butler. Um, you, if you're listening to this and you're in this sort of world, you might be familiar with the emojis broken heart, brain, snake, like button. Um, because, uh, the broken heart stands for church hurt, um, which is just, like, a phrase that they use and it's like, do you realize that we're talking about, like, our brains were rewired to, like, kind of be totally screwed against us? Like, I just, that's the only way (laughs) to describe it. Like, yeah. it's, it's not, like, something that you can just put a Band-Aid on. Like, I have had to try yeah. with conscious effort to reconnect with my body and my soul when I was so completely, like, disconnected from it. Yeah, yeah. It's their, and it's their it's theology just, it's that did so, that. Just, and, like, and no matter how much love you try to put, like, words of love you try to put around that theology that is, like, non-affirming and that is, like, rooted in ideas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, one thing I've seen, especially because people say, like, love the sin or hate the sin. Like, people are cool with that until you say, love the believer, hate the belief. Mm -hmm. And then they will go nuts on you. Because you can't say that. It's, like, the same thing, though. But it's, 
Yeah, and like one thing I've noticed, and I think I've seen like Girl Defined do this before, which like, oi, oi, oi. But it's that thing of like, they personalize it. Well, like, I never had issues with this thing. It's like, well, good for you, Girl Defined. Like, but the majority of us. So, and a lot of other people did. Like, because I think they brought it up with like, I kissed stating goodbye. I think they brought it up with like Joshua Harris and I kissed stating goodbye because he, you know, renounced the book. And he was like, they're like, oh, that's so sad. It was so harmful, but it was really helpful for us. And it's like, um, yeah, this perpetuated a lot of the rape culture that we even see in secular society. So, like, shut up, girls with the alleged Nazi grandma. Like, let's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways, so number two, uh, which is represented by the brain, is poor teaching, Um, which, I mean, I guess maybe, let me look more into this. What he's saying. Um, oh yeah, talking about the like led to believe that they must choose between faith and science because of poor teaching in Genesis one. Others have been led to believe that God is a vindictive sadist. So what is your? But if the problem is bad teaching, the solution. This is quoting from it. Uh, but if the problem is bad teaching, the solution is good teaching. Okay. And guess what? We found some of that. But you say that it's like heretical and yes. like. Um, Okay, you're saying Jesus is the best model of replacing bad teaching with good teaching. Okay, but that doesn't seem to be what you're, like, actually doing. I just... It's so funny because it's, like, it's it's the same thing where you're seeing, like... We've talked about this on our podcast before. Is like you see them hit the mark, but hit it in the wrong way. Right. Like yes. A lot of times when people are critical of deconstruction, they're saying exactly the right thing, but in the wrong way. Uh-huh. Here, yeah. he's talking about, like, he's saying yeah. Jesus is the model of that. He right. says, Jesus shows us a better way. You've heard it said, but I say. Um, and yeah. that that Jesus's goal is to build trust, not break it. And I'm like, hmm. yes, absolutely. That is 100% mm-hmm. right. Except. And still some. How right, it's there. it's wait, they, and they so what he says is today's deconstruction to... allows bad teaching to have the last word. It re- it rejects a distorted vision and misses an encounter with the real thing, the living God. Why? How do you assume that? How do you assume that I haven't that I have missed an encounter with the living God? Like, how can you say that? Like, exactly. And I, and I think I think it's because they again they associate deconstruction with leaving the faith. Right. With with just taking it yeah. all down and saying they, this is not true. And they also this they just not, you know they have this assumption that like there's this place where you really you unravel the thread and everything just ends. And that's you know, I there was a time where there were some things that I was so afraid to deconstruct and I thought that there were things that I was never going to deconstruct. And then when I did, it's yeah. like I I thought that it was this wall that I couldn't break through. And then when I did I was like, Oh, well that that was like a false pretense that like everything was gonna fall apart like i'm still here you know right. yeah right. I mean, I could yeah be terrified of questioning even just outside of like you know i was raised in a very patriotic mm-hmm. house where some mm-hmm. things about america you just don't question mm-hmm. and like as a kid or as a teenager when i would hear people say certain things about america it like scared me because then I was like, oh gosh, like, what if I had to think about that? And what if I don't, you know, it's just the, the slippery slope argument Oh my god. I'm, speaking of slippery slope, the next one is desire to sin as yeah, a reason yeah. for deconstructing. You just want to have sex. You just want to have some nice sex. Yeah, which is like such an oversimplification. <laughs> because like, I, I, for one, you know, I've talked about this in a Purity Coaster episode. I have not had my sexual debut yet, you know? I don't know what's going to happen, but like, 
that is not, that is clearly not the reason why I deconstructed. Right, right. Well, of course, someone can just, someone's going to come along and say, I mean, like, you know, just the fact that I'm gay, it's an excuse to be gay. Well, I'm 30 years old. I have not had my sexual debut. I'm basically asexual, so, like, Mm -hmm. what now, Gospel (laughs) Coalition? What you got to say about it? Why am I deconstructing? Yeah, I think it's so insulting to people who have been hurt so so critically by the church yeah. to mm-hmm. say that particularly you sometimes in the areas of like sex they could have been exactly experienced sexual abuse they could have yeah. also just experienced the you know the kind of like fuckery that we did with our repressing of sexuality and like yeah yeah and it's and the reality is is that i'm seeking this god that you're talking about i'm seeking this jesus that is bigger than anything yeah that I can come up with. I'm seeking the love that you are preaching to me. And you know, sometimes with certain yeah. people, I think that like, even some people who do decide to maybe leave the church, sometimes I'm like, well, Jesus walked with them right out the door. I just, you yeah, know, when no, I, li- I, when totally I listen, agree with when you. I listen to like the words of Audrey Assad, she doesn't really identify as Christian at this point, but she ta- that's another thing that happened this year. She revealed that she no longer identified the, the well-known, ca- technically former Catholic songwriter, Audrey Assad said that she doesn't yeah. uh, no longer identifies as Christian, but she talks about how she's like, you know, whatever it is, I'm still in love with God. And so I'm like, you know, great. Jesus walked with you out the door. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think, um, so my, my cousin is a pastor and I talk about him a lot on the, on the podcast because even though he and I don't get to interact a whole lot, like his, um, he, what he posts and stuff, it usually speaks to me pretty deeply. And the other day he was talking about this idea of deconstruction and just like his whole thoughts on the whole matter. And he said, um, and I think this is an important point, he said, I have friends who no longer identify as Christian, yet my friendship hasn't evolved to become an anxious reconversion project. They're not going to argue back into the kingdom of God. I trust God cares more about them than I do. And they have a better chance at returning to Jesus by seeing a compelling life in church than by my constant reminder mm-hmm. and, and what they sense they've lost. And then he goes on to say, grace is sufficient for both my moments of self-righteousness and the seasons of hardest doubts. That's the good news. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there, I think there's this, this whole affront to deconstructionism that's like, no, we have to argue them back. We have to like yeah, prove uh-huh. to them that they're wrong in order to get them back. But that's not yeah. That's not what we're asking for. We're asking for introspection. Oh, I keep hitting my mic. We're a- we're asking for introspection on the part of the church to say, yeah. okay, what are we doing wrong here? Yeah, exactly. And that's not happening. Yeah. Um. You know what's interesting is that I feel like the way that like, um, the evangelical establishment is reacting today to, um to this movement is the si- sort of similar way that um, they reacted to the emergent church movement in like the mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. early 2000s to you know to like 2015 or so I guess emergent churches are still happening but it's not as prominent as like the current language of like Jelvo and deconstruction um, but you know uh, what's interesting one one part of my year is that I've been reading through every single one of Rachel Hall Evans blog posts mm. um, yes so I started um I started uh, reading them, I think when I, when I, oh yeah, when I started reading A Year of Biblical Womanhood in like March, um, I was like, oh, she like has these blog posts that she links to in the 
in the chapters. And so I started reading them and I was like, well, let me just like read each month of her year of biblical womanhood in her blog posts. Um, and so that was fun. And then I was like, you know, let's just read all of them. After that, I was like, yeah. um, and so I've been, every time I finish a chapter of whatever book I'm reading, I read a whole month's worth of her blog posts. And so I started, it was December, 2007 that she had her first post. Uh, and now I've read up to June, 2014. Um, the height of her blogging was, uh, 2011 to 2013 I would say and then in 2014 it starts to get lesser um but uh you know an interesting thing she talks about how she's like you know I get asked so many times to talk about millennials in the church and why they're leaving the church and what we want you know these pastors are asking me all these questions about it and she talks she gives these really eloquent talks she's like we we desire um stop like substance over the style you know we want like we want real jesus we want to stop the culture wars she explains a lot of the reasons why you know current evangelicals are sort of leaving and then she says that the reaction she usually gets is like the sort of like confused expression and like so so we should just have hipper music and more coffee shops like that's just like and it's just like no. the same thing is happening again yep. <laughs> it's like it's like they're never going to get to the root of the actual problem because like if all we wanted were coffee shops and hippie dippy we already have stuff of them. we are we already have all the mega churches they all have coffee yeah. shops and ten thousand like, dollar light you know, rigs for, they're still homophobic as hell like my, we don't care for my from, in my experience, you know, there was the the big Christian music festivals where they sold the Christian t-shirts, you know, that I still own and have talked about in another episode. Um, and it's like, you know, this infusion of pop culture and Christianity in an attempt to be palatable for youth. And it's like, it didn't work, you know. I, I am not the anomaly in my youth group. I now know, like, a bunch of people, and I've connected with them, heard their stories. Even the most popular girls in my youth group have now deconstructed. Mm -hmm. So, and I, like, nice. I, I was the weird one, but it's, like, kind of affirming to me to now see that, like, they actually also deconstructed, too, and some of them are queer, and, yeah. yeah. It has been, it's one of my favorite things, and this might sound weird, but to see people that we went to college with mm -hmm. at this very conservative <laughs> yeah. who are now gay, progressive, <laughs> Liber you know, living what, their lives yeah. off, you know authentically yeah we have fully a guy who jordan actually knew him before college um who stood in our chapel because we had student chapels every once in a while and gave a whole like ex-gay testimony oh yeah which at the time i was like mm, no yeah sir. <laughs> I mean, okay, but no. They used to try to fish somebody out for an ex-gay testimony every year. We had some. Oh, God. Yes. It was... Yeah. <laughs> All of them are now with partners and living their best lives and completely moved on, thank God. But, like, yeah. A, the trauma that they probably had to go through. Yeah. But I'm just fascinated by the, like, Christian college to queer progressive adult pipeline honestly it's a thing <laughs> and it's I, like, you know i think being able to see the hypocrisy being able to see yeah like, said people you from know. said people from youth groups some that are queer now some of them went to liberty so you know yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah. Same. Very same. Yeah. <laughs> a question for you sarah because um i just thought of this based on the last time we answered these have you gotten a postgraduate survey from our college since we both answered our last one and because we did one? yeah because no. we did it together <laughs> what um, 
was Wait. just thinking about that. I haven't gotten that. Yeah. They send out postgraduate surveys every now and then. I don't know if that's because we already answered one or if it's because huh. they, they've put us on a blacklist. But I basically, and I thought we were very honest and, and sincere. You and were much more, like, eloquent than I was. You <laughs> I talked about, about symbolic violence and all this stuff. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, Wait. homophobic as fuck. What the hell? But is, what was this? Yeah, so please tell this story. Send they will send occasionally um, these postgraduate surveys to former students via email, and they'll just they want to like wait a little bit until you're like out in your professional life. <laughs> I was still in school, um, I'm still <laughs> um, and they they want to know like how much the university you know contributed to your academic growth your professional growth they want to know about your overall experience all this stuff i think it's actually a really good thing that they do as a it university is. Is. um <laughs> but i had to be honest with them i was like look my academic experience at the UC university was phenomenal there were areas where like a little bit lacking but like it was a phenomenal experience um and then at the end of the survey i was like listen all of this doesn't matter because I know that my experience is a minority experience Aww. at the school. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are people who are, you know, hurt symbolically and outright by your mm -hmm. policies and by mm -hmm. the way that you conduct yourselves. And so we both were taking, we both got the survey at the same time. And we were, were like on the phone with each other. Right? I was like, I have, I have to write it like this. <laughs> and, um, both basically yeah just ripped them a new one in different ways and we're like look i can't advocate for a situation where people i love are being hurt yeah. by your by by the one hill that you're gonna die on right um and so i haven't gotten a, a survey no I have, I have not gotten huh. a survey back, since <laughs> and they probably didn't take our yeah i mean that's what they do I'm they sure just they when there's like any sort of backlash they just try to ignore it and also let's go into the fourth reason for deconstruction which i think is the most ridiculous street cred it's sexy to deconstruct i mean it is <laughs> like yeah. not gonna lie like no it's hot yeah exactly like you know it's hot being super informed i love yeah. it so like you i guess what? yeah that's a fair point <laughs> It's not hot losing your community that you grew up in. That's and... yeah. <laughs> like they. The thing is, another another connection to like what uh, Rachel Held Evans' blog post, like you know, history repeating itself. Um, she talks about how like she's like people tell me that I'm taking the easy way out, that I'm just trying to like conform to the world and you know gain credibility with the world. And she's like, what culture do you think I come from? I come from evangelical Christianity and I'm losing credibility in that world. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It's terrifying. Yeah. And we, we've talked about this on our podcast too, is just like, I wouldn't do this if I didn't have to. I would love no. to go back in the cave. I really yeah. would. It was this but, or no Christianity. Yeah. So which one do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it is it is the harder road. It, that's there's a reason we talk about it like as the wilderness because mm -hmm. it really feels yeah incredibly yeah. difficult. It can feel lonely very lonely, and, but thankfully yeah. I mean you can find community, and that's the thing is that I what I love about the word evangelical and deconstruction, even if they are getting overused in this day and age especially given that it's becoming mainstream like what i like is that it gathers a community you know and it gives us language yeah. mm -hmm. to be able to like describe our experience you know like when i when i first started 
my deconstruction was actually like the, the catalyst was the 2016 election like November 9th was one of the worst days of my life and mm-hmm. you know I remember thinking to myself that my I felt so lonely and I was like but these, these doubts I'm having oh they're like they're like selfish and I just need to like mm. stop doing this and trust if I had known that there were other people that were doing the same thing particularly at the exact same time I was like I it was like yeah. a yeah. massive wave after the like, you know 2016 election yeah. Um, it would have been so much easier if I had known that I wasn't the only one. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that sucks, too, is because, like, especially evangelicalism, it encourages you to not ask questions. Because if you ask questions, like, the more questions you ask, the less faith you have. Like, it's, and, like, if you're given information outside of what you've learned, you're taught that it's of Satan or of the enemy, and you shouldn't listen to it. Like, that's why people find it so easy to deny things that we would consider like basic knowledge because it's not in the bible which means it must be from satan like it's that dualism um so i guess you know we've been talking a lot about some of the backlash and people not understanding but i guess in terms of like the building community there's also been some great like clapbacks to some of the (laughs) bullshit that's been going on this year like you know um i remember actually it was yeah wait i think it was kevin garcia they created um t-shirt merch that actually has like the emojis on it from the the four reasons to deconstruct but it's like different reasons like um or wait i have to look this up wait um well the the i think a true testament is just the swiftness with which modest is hottest right right that was a yeah that was was amazing yeah uh it was beautiful we named that the hell off the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. It was just evangelical yeah. TikTok. Really, um, I became so aware of it because, mm-hmm. like, yeah, hottest is just a thing that to me has always been around. And so when I yeah. thought, like, okay, this is dumb, but like, whatever. And then all of a sudden, so many people were like, "No, we're not accepting it anymore." And I was like. Yeah. Okay, okay, we're all ready to do this. Let's go. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, as someone who is also very much on exvangelical TikTok, it was amazing how quick, like, all of that got deleted. Like, they yeah. people basically mocked it, ridiculed it, and put it in its place. It just, and it then Matthew so West was like, bye. It was, yeah. like, just so, yeah. so gross that, like, he, you know, and his daughters were in the video, and I just... Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, wait, also for people who somehow didn't know about this video, so let's just say some of the lyrics. Uh, wait, I, oh my god, I forgot. <laughs> if I see you on the TikTok in a crop top, so help me god, I'm gonna ground you till the world stops. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. I know. God, it's like, just hurting. I swear to god, that's threatening. <laughs> yeah. I like the a little more Amish and a less Kardashian line. Ew. It's just latest fashion trend yeah did we was there a portion of that whole situation that was that was talking about like his simplification of the amish culture like i don't know because i feel like like that is amish people right yeah don't don't, yeah yeah amish are cool yes also and i do have to say the other day you came up on my tiktok and i was so thrown for a second wait a minute wait a minute i know wait a minute i know her hold on so yes oh my gosh do i follow you back 
your TikToks and then realized you have no idea that it's me. Um, it's going a little bit back uh, to our conversation, I think if you want the um, shirt about deconstruction and Kevin Garcia's merch shop, it's called Deconstruction is Sexy Tea. So. And I did buy one of their shirts recently and it said empathy is my favorite sin. Um, right, because, oh my gosh, because there was like, it was an old Gospel Coalition article that was repopularized this year because someone was like, this is like what they believe. Yes. Em- empathy is a yes. sin was an article from the Gospel Coalition. So, you know, just oh, you casually. When we were first starting our, our podcast, one of our episode topics that we thought we would talk about was how much empathy is too much empathy? Oh, yeah. And, and the, yeah. it was back in the... I think it was back in the throes of me being like, do we have to have some kind of foundation yeah, to stand up? Do I have a backbone? And now yeah. I'm like, this was, this was perpetuated yeah, by fear. <laughs> yeah. Jesus is enough, you know? You don't need to, like, make it yes. any more complicated than that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um... Oh, I guess uh, just sort of the last thing I have to say about the whole ex-evangelical popularizing situation. Kevin Max kind of like officially came out as an evangelical uh, uh, ex-evangelical this year. Um, Kevin Max is the one third of the uh, '90s rap group DC Talk. Um, <laughs> nice. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good for him then. Yeah. That's yeah. So what's interesting is that a lot of people were, like, surprised and felt betrayed, and I'm like, if you, like, followed his career and what he's been tweeting lately, this shouldn't be a surprise to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I need, I need Toby back to just really... I need... I know. He's, like, so close Toby. because... Okay, so... Oh, yeah, wait. Another important thing that happened this year. So Grace Baldridge has been making history in the Christian music industry. Um, yes. With yes. their... Yes. Um, um, I didn't realize... They're from Paducah. Yeah. Yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. Which is where we're not from Paducah, we're from Lexington. But hello, Kentucky. That's all which, I'm saying. Shout out to Paducah right now. I honestly didn't think about that. We yeah, probably Western yeah. Kentucky. Um so it's, an interesting really thing is, um, they released a song called it it's called Toby Mac, right? Or Toby Mac in yeah. the Living Room or something. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, and so what's interesting is that they tweeted at um Toby Mac and you know, she was like, I, something along the lines of like, would you hate me if you knew that I'm like gay? And then he, he responded like, no, I wouldn't like God loves you. It, that's not terrible, but it also isn't like a statement of like, I affirm all LGBTQ people, which is not that, then it's not that, you know? And and (laughs) there was a similar, there, she did a similar thing with, uh, Switchfoot. Yeah. And he actually answered her TikTok. And basically, I mean, it wasn't like really, really clear, but basically it was like, yeah, I affirm your story and your, you know, your reality and your life. That you yeah. And, and it was like so moving to see her reaction to that as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like- also, yeah. it was moving to see the reaction from Kevin Max too. Kevin Max responded well to her, uh, their cover of uh, Jesus Freak. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, especially like because the song Toby Mac is so like brilliantly written because it's basically about how like the like you're singing worship songs to the person that you love, mm-hmm. but that person isn't like like it's mm-hmm. to another woman or to mm-hmm. like a relationship that wouldn't be quote unquote biblically sanctioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like the beauty of that song. So I, that's really cool that uh, Toby Mac responded to that. 
in that way because it's totally not about Toby Mac. It's about using worship songs to tell the person you love that you love Uh, them. But also, you know, he released a song about, like, literally just... I don't know, an apology song, I guess you could call it, except it's it's not clear about what that apology is and who it's for. Like, he's like, I'm sorry, so sorry. Uh, I missed that. I used to love Toby Mac. I was like, numero uno fan, and now I'm She was. I was super into him, too. I saw him live at um, Awakening Fest. It was the big Christian music festival in Northern Virginia that ran out of money in 2014. So. Westapalooza, which was a we saw a we theater. saw did we see Tony Mac or did we just he see up on the oh he did yes he did yeah stage and did like, he was in an Ixus the year we were at Ixus was he I don't know um Gritz was an Ixus. oh no Gritz was it yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah back to Grace Baldridge they like we said they made history when they um also uh, just to note I think she said that you can use like any pronouns as far as I know. Um, Yeah. 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 Um, And, um, you know, their song uh, like topped the Christian music charts and the the first LGBTQ individual to do that. So that was really cool to see, especially because like I, another, sorry, I'm going to keep like going back to like things I read in Rachel Haldevin's blog post that relate to the, to the current moment. It's the continuous thread. She is the thread. Um, um, So what's interesting is that she has this, Rachel had this interview with Amy Grant that she had on her, on her blog. And Amy Grant said, she's like, you know, one day there will be an artist in the Christian music industry who will start as openly gay and make their success because of that. And now it's happened. Here we are. (laughs) Oh, wait. Also, Amy Grant. Wait. Oh, my God. Sorry. I said Amy Grant. I meant meant Jennifer Knapp. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That said, though, Amy Grant came out as affirming this year. Right. Yeah. Uh, That's why I think I was mixing the two up, you know, two artists that relate to the LGBT community. Well, one of them is actually gay, and that's what's important. Jennifer Knapp, you know, she she came out, and then her music career was over because at that time christian music was not having it and like actually you know grace part of why they created their album was because like this christian music executive is like there's no market for it you're never gonna make it and she fucking did it (laughs) yeah she did it it's amazing yeah i I just like was like oh my gosh they beat lauren daigle on the christian charts (laughs) what and i like lauren daigle as much as the next uh even though She's had she's had some mass concerts. I'm <laughs> so disappointed. That's kind of why I'm like, okay, I, I could still enjoy her music. It really got me through a tough time. But damn, girl, I was rooting for you. We were all yeah. rooting for you, especially Lauren. When, especially when she was, especially when she said on a podcast that she wasn't sure what where she stood on LGBTQ issues. I think that's a much better place to be than being fully bigoted and non-affirming. You know, not yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she hasn't said anything on the topic Ellen, since. So like, wasn't she the one that she went and performed on Ellen? And yeah, and she got a lot of shit for that. She got a lot of shit for what she wore when she was on. Yeah, Ellen. and yeah, and also like just being on Ellen itself, and like I don't like Ellen, but it was the fact that like she shouldn't be performing on this show with a lesbian right. host, or right. you should make a statement. And it's yeah. like, what is she gonna say? What do you want, Christian community? Do you want us to evangelize or not evangelize? Like, your mind. <laughs> Who can we associate with? I need to know. I need to break down. 
Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's the thing that always gets me is when, like, it's like, even if you did believe X, Y, and Z, you should still be happy about what's happening over here. Yeah. Why are you mad? Shut up. <laughs> um, this is not on exactly the music train, but I, a mm-hmm. couple of the things I wrote down for, like, things that happened in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, two podcasts, uh, one I listened to and one I did not, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Right, I've heard lots of interesting things about it. Like, that, yeah, it came out this year, and the thing is, is that, like, people say that it's very focused on, like, just, like, totally dragging Mark Driscoll, but none of, not examining any of the institutional problems with evangelicalism. (laughs) That's what happened. I love, I love dragging Mark Driscoll at any opportunity, but, yeah, they definitely did not get to, like, the root of the issue. Yeah, Um, I, um, an interesting thing I saw from, um, Oh gosh, I'm. Um, oh yeah, I know the now the name's coming to me. Stephanie Stalvi, I think that's the name on Instagram. She's created this series of things called Church Kid Comics. Have you guys mm-hmm. seen it? Um, I don't. I don't know. No. Oh. Um. Well, an interesting thing was she like. Let me actually. I'm just gonna find it and pull it up. Sorry, y'all can keep talking while I like, pull this up. Um. Well, the other podcast that I listened to was In God We Lust, which was about the Jerry Falwell mm. Jr. Mm. scandal. Mm-hmm. Oh, I right. Wait, it was like anyway. it was like last. Wait, it was like last year where he resigned, right? That wasn't this year, or was it? Yeah, I think he resigned last year. Because mm-hmm. well, yeah, because actually, I think fall of twenty twenty was when that like picture of him came out of him with that mm-hmm. woman and his pants were unbuttoned, and then everyone like flipped. And if you haven't heard of In God We Lust, the podcast follows this scandal of him. And his wife and this uh, guy who worked at, like, a hotel pool that they met and then were kind of mentoring. But also, he was... It wasn't even an affair. He was just having this sexual relationship with Jerry Falwell's wife, or Junior's wife. And it... Yeah, it was nasty. Like scummy, I guess, because then they also like helped him with business hmm. deals. Uh-huh. Um, huh. They were like really, I don't know, it was just a really messed up relationship that they all got into together. Yeah. And, and it's like, what you do behind closed doors consenting is your business, but if you're gonna do that, then you shouldn't be telling that gay people that they are abominations. Exactly. And, yeah. Like, don't wa- well, and even people were saying that, like, on Liberty's campus, everyone kind of, like, saw him as this, like, guy who was, like, apparently he was, like, the youth pastor that was always, like, that I got <laughs> to have sex with, gross, but, um, yeah, just weird vibes, and I was like, yeah. Liberty, are yeah. okay? Also, also, I think also, if I recall correctly, Liberty University has a building dedicated to Charlie Kirk, or Charlie Kirk paid for a building on Liberty's campus. I will delete this from the episode if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, for people who are unaware, um, be grateful that you are unaware. But um, Charlie Kirk is uh, the founder of Turning Point USA, which, by the way, I'm sure we can talk about this later, Turning Point USA is hosting an event, and Sean Foyt has oh. been put on the docket. And that- so has Kyle. Wait, is... I, I might, you might need to confirm this too, but Kyle Rittenhouse, it's like the America Fest. Not, 
yeah. the America Fest thing. He wasn't on the oh. list because, again, Sean Foyt put up an Instagram post. Um, and Kyle Brandhouse wasn't on that, but maybe he, it was he was added later on. But, like, know, you know, all the greats... About it. Like, all the greats are going to be there. Candace Owens, Donald Trump Jr., Charlie Kirk. Oh, our friend Lauren Lauren Bobbert. Um, you know, Man, all those good, all the good it, Christians out there are going to be that, there. It shows that, like, that, you know, what we saw on January 6th is, like, not going away. That these people are going to continue to rally. Like, you know, I haven't even gotten into, like, the frenzy around the school boards in this country during this year that is like you know all these conservatives like crying out about crit, uh, critical race theory uh even though that's not oh no history uh, what are we gonna do <laughs> um anyway i found the thing that i wanted to bring up so oh, cool. um Artist on instagram um one of her recent posts so she in this comic she like draws herself and is like oh a new episode of rise and fall mars hill demon hunting and so this is a quote from the podcast let's start with the story of the cottingly fairies from 1917 here's an example of something that's clearly not real but people believed in because we as humans wanted to believe in that sort of thing and then she she says huh okay like demons and then the quote oh no demons are real and they're like legit i Okay, actually, I don't know if this is an exact quote. Maybe it's a paraphrase. Oh, no, demons are real. And there are, like, legit exorcists out there. The problem was Mark was too sexist about his demon hunting. <laughs> uh, and then another quote, maybe quote or paraphrase. The point is, whether demonology or complementarianism or whatever, it's not the worldview that's inherently toxic or dangerous. It's, it's the pa- personality of the specific guy. <laughs> that's probably a paraphrase. I feel like that's the vibe of a paraphrase, but... Yeah. In any case, that is, like, the vibe of the podcast, I think. <laughs> that sums yeah. it up. Like, a lot of people were listening... A lot of people were, like, looking forward to it because they were like, oh my god, they're actually gonna examine this shit now. And then they didn't. Yeah. Um, I would oh, like yeah, to, in a... This is a one-time thing, but I would like to thank Mark Driscoll for <laughs> giving us a name on Twitter right now because he made a TikTok about all the progressive Christians being woke joke folk. And I was like, that's us. That's it. You it. I like yeah, that. that. It rhymes. So Rachel Held Evans had a lot to say about Mark Driscoll, especially yeah. like at yes. the height of his pastorship at um, Mars Hill, which is no longer, you know, in existence. Um, you know, she was like, she was I, the quotes that she has from it. It's like, I I want a Jesus who can like beat me up and like, I why would you like that? Like, I mean. Or like, no, wait, no, he's like, the progressive Jesus is, like, weak. He can't, he can't beat anyone up, and so that's not the Jesus that I want. It's sort of, like, the vibe. Um, I don't remember the verse where Jesus beat anyone up. (laughs) Jesus literally got beat up, and he died. Like, how do you miss the point that (laughs) stop turning Jesus into toxic masculinity fodder? Stop it. Mm -hmm. Stop. Jeez Uh Louise. Anyway, I'm glad that he actually isn't as much in, like, the, <laughs> the public yeah. conversation, you know. Um, yeah. Oh, um, speaking of, like, figures in the public conversation, you know, the... I guess it... Yeah, it basically happened this year, I feel like, that people discovered that the son of John Piper is an ex-evangelical. And he has Abraham the Piper. Most, the most amazing TikToks. Yeah. Um, I follow him on TikTok. He's awesome. Love and I just... <laughs> He doesn't owe us this information, but I am just so curious about, like, what that dynamic 
how... Yeah. I, mean, I'm, I assume that he's disowned. It seems like he's disowned well, from what he's I mean, doing. it's probably similar to any, any yeah. deconstructing evangelical kid mm-hmm. whose parents are still... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Still deep mm-hmm. in it. Like, weird... F- I have one slightly weird flex, and that is that Jay Baker follows me on Instagram. Oh, nice. Which is cool. Um, you know, who is, uh, I, for people listening, it's Jim and Tammy Faye's son. Uh, he is a pastor at a progressive church in a bar. Like, his church is in a bar. Um, also, and I just want to say, thing. you know, yeah. my, my favorite fundy, Tammy Faye Baker... I, I am I'm with yes. I'm with Jenna Fundy Fridays on this one. Hundred um, percent. No, here's the thing though. Uh, if we circle back to this whole idea of like, what did the church do wrong, and in, in in terms of attracting millennials, um, that it was coffee shops. It, it was, but it, it yeah, it was coffee shops, but not because it was coffee shops. It was because it wasn't a bar. What, yeah, hmm. this was the missed opportunity. We all I'm joking, tried. of course. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm just joking about that because I want to drink so badly, and I. Can't. Oh no! Soon, soon, soon. soon. I know. Um, <laughs> so I'm yeah, seven I think. Months pregnant, Sarah. I think another reason why the establishment is like so scared about this is because of like the high-profile cases of ex-evangelicals like Abraham Piper, Kevin Max, um, John Steingard from Hawk Nelson. You know, he he. Uh, disclosed that he no longer believed in God last year and he's continued to do like podcasts and other stuff related to uh, being I guess an, ag- an agnostic um, mm-hmm. so this year um, so. what is his name Gunger what's his first name oh Michael, Michael he Gunger. there was there was also some things that happened with him too and like not in a good way this year um, like I think it was he got in some Twitter controversy because of like something he posted basically saying like oh all religions are the same though jesus is uh, is these things yeah. and jesus is these gods and um yeah he's like yeah. he's also said i think i am gonna say uh i don't quite remember all the details of this but i think he said some like fat phobic things in the past on even the literature uh. podcast um so and i know that you know um uh, Science Mike, he used, um, Mike McCarg, he used to be on the Liturgist podcast and he left, and I feel like it must have been for a good reason. I trust that guy. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, my thought was, I think it's been very interesting to hear this is, mm, deconstructing TikTok adjacent is that there have been, which I appreciate, a lot of, first there were a lot of, like, non-religious people who were talking about, you know, problems of religion and every religion mm-hmm. is toxic and you know religious people just are you know what i'm really kind of bashing it and a lot of people standing up being like hi first of all please stop saying um mm-hmm. all religions when you mean christianity mm-hmm. because you don't actually know about all yeah religions mm-hmm. like yeah stop lumping us all together and also this is not the woke take that you think it is and that did do my little high school part a little bit of good because I also had, as a baby Christian, who was much more conservative and ignorant, I will be honest. Um, we did also have some extremely, um, what sort of looking for? Condescending. Condescending mm-hmm. religious mm-hmm. friends that I would have loved to just, well, Jordan almost got a fight with one of them. Yeah, well, I was in the wrong in that fight, but still. <laughs> but still. 
I was very much in the wrong in that fight, but but that didn't make him any less condescending. Condescending, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, TikTok has just been a good. It's it's been, a good it's place been for funny. Yeah, it's been funny how TikTok has been a really good tool for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I downloaded TikTok as a joke, as I think a lot of people did in 2020. Um, And now, not only am I addicted to it, but I've met some amazing friends from it. Like, like, I don't, like, one person who I met at conference this past year was, like, someone who followed me on TikTok and I would posted that I was going. And she was like, hey, I'm going to be there, too. And I was like, what? And apparently she found out from my TikTok. And I was like, ew, I have influence. Please don't listen to me. <laughs> like, I'm just bored out of my mind. And I am a chick with a lot to say. Just please, just don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> you mentioning that you have a lot to say, I realized that we were, when we were discussing the insurrection, you wanted to talk a little bit about how Franklin Graham... So oh yeah, so yeah. Franklin Graham is awful. The end. Just kidding. Um, so Franklin Graham, um, when the House and the Senate were voting to impeach Trump yet again, um, you know, with good reason, uh, yeah. should have been done a while ago, but um, there were some Republicans that voted to impeach Trump, as they should have, and uh, Franklin Graham basically compared them to Judas like compared he's like like Jesus right like yeah yeah I actually got I think the biggest accomplishment of my last year was getting blocked on Franklin Graham's Facebook because I just started rage commenting (laughs) under all of the stuff being like you sold your soul for a conservative court and I was like getting into like arguments with people and I was like, oh yeah, they're like, abortion is bad. And I was like, okay, what's your what's your um, fix to this? Like, tell people to close their legs. And I'm like, yeah, sounds like a great fix, man. Like, you know, that sounds great. Like more, uh, more access <laughs> to contraception is actually what reduces That's what I, I legitimately, I legitimately put that. And he was like, yeah, well, maybe people should, shouldn't have premarital sex. I'm like, okay, you're a far gone kind uh, person on the internet. Wrong answer, correct Yeah. <laughs> All of the answers were yeah, it's like all the answers were right except for the one you just gave me. That was the wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, and then like I was saying things about Franklin Graham. Um, because because um, I, quote, I quote unquote got saved at a Franklin Graham event. <laughs> oh no! When I was eight. Oh yeah. good god. Yeah, I don't remember him at all, or the event at all, except for the part where I was like. <laughs> terrified out of my mind that I was going to burn in hell forever. That's not a good good way to get saved. Great motivator. (laughs) But um, I looked at my mom and I was like, I think I need to go down there with those people and pray. And mom was like, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag it gets better. Yeah, yeah. Every time Franklin Graham comes up, I kind of like, just like hide my face. (laughs) I feel like I'm attached to him somehow. (laughs) All of us, I feel like probably our connections of like getting saved for me getting baptized the people who baptized me or like i know now that they're not you know great people uh so mm-hmm. you know i think yeah like i grew up watching like my because my grandparents didn't have cable but they sure as hell had tbn and every time we went to their house we had to watch billy graham revival like old tapes because they like every night for some reason they were like we're gonna show a billy graham talk and it was like 
stuff going like back into like the 50s and there were like some weird ones on like and the nukes are gonna fall and i'm like this was made during the cold war <laughs> Like, okay. <laughs> As a child, you're out there going, oh, the nukes, the nukes. Yeah. <laughs> and then being um, like, oh, yeah, this is from the 60s. <laughs> so another um, not so great person that we need to talk about, Josh Duggar. Mm. This is pretty well, recent, yeah. too. Um, the news just came out last week. At that time of recording, the news came out last week that he was, um, he was charged as guilty uh, for possession of... Um, child sexual abuse imagery. I've been informed that we shouldn't use the phrase child pornography because, yes. like, I like that. Like pornography. I mean, I thought about the phrase. I like yeah. that. That's not what we refer to it as anymore. Yeah, because I mean, you know, at least <laughs> it's the what, clinical. It's the clinical term for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he was in possession of child sexual abuse imagery, and you know, it's like apparently really bad. I mean, like from, I haven't really read too much in the, into the reports because I don't really want to, but I know that it is like absolutely egregious, you know, yeah. um, from what Fundy well, Friday's reports, not only Fundy Friday's is a great YouTuber. You should watch their yeah. channel. Well, it's not yeah. only that, it's that he, he himself abused his sisters. Right. Yeah, um, and yes. Yeah. And, and the, the, the thing that is as a mother to me is so, horrifying about the whole situation right, he has seven silence. children well that yeah he has it. seven children yeah. as well so yeah and i've heard a lot of people saying that that just also speaks to not that this excuses it but like the cult-like atmosphere mm -hmm. of the quiverful community that they're in the family that they're yeah. in where like women do not feel like they can that they have any power Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. She, I mean, the thing is, is that, like, she's forced into, like, a situation where it's, like, a lose-lose, you know? Like, if she yeah. actually tries to leave, yeah. she has no support, like, at all. Um, yeah, and it's that thing of, like, where's that line from being, like, it, it's, I don't know, it's, like, when, and I don't know if she's been abused or anything, but, like, the abused becomes an abuser or the person who is, like, the victim becomes someone who is complicit in the an enabler. crime. Yeah, an enabler. Yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. And as a woman in that in that community too, you're also taught that your solution to these kinds of situations is to pray about it mm -hmm. and to be faithful to your husband regardless. And yeah, to, to be very more open to him sexually. Actually, is usually right. the response. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he was sent to he was sent to quote unquote you know rehab situations that were no and actually yeah one thing that happened was so jim so jimmy bobby um he's running for office too oh yeah he's running for also yeah he's running for office in arkansas and the comments on his facebook are all turned off so and it's not because i was blocked it's they're legitimately all because i wasn't able no I wasn't able to comment in time. That's why. Um, but that being said, like, this, when the whole, like, when, you know, the first of Josh Duggar's crimes happened when he was a kid, um, Jim Bob told, like, a policeman that they knew and they were friends with, and it turned out that the policeman also had some awful images of children on his computer. What a shocker. It was yeah. The West is a weird place to me as a as a 
as a East Coast, well, we're not East Coast, but as an Eastern United yeah. States South person, Eastern. Southeastern. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, did I just refer to myself as Eastern and not Southern? Oh dear. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> as a Southeastern, United, as a Southeastern American, um, the Central West, <laughs> aka Utah, Arkansas. Wait, yeah. where is Arkansas? Oh my gosh, hang on, I'm having no. a geography. Arkansas is like the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, technically. Yep, it is. I just realized. Yeah, I think the start of the Bible Belt is technically like Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, okay. Midwest, Kansas. Um, I'm just thinking like where those communities congregate, like where Mormonism congregates, yeah, yeah, yeah. where mm-hmm. where these quiverful communities con- right. congregate. The independent it's, fundamentalist Baptists, too. Yeah, yes. It's, yes. it's like, it is baffling to me, these areas. Of they ain't the- got nothing going on out there. <laughs> and they are thriving. Sing on it. <laughs> Yeah, it's... in a bad way. Yeah, yeah not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's like, who knows? Like, it's just, who knows, right? It, yeah, I don't know. It, it one Actually, one thing I was reading about recently, kind of hearkening back to some of the insurrection and, like, all... I feel like it's all connected, unfortunately. But I finished reading a book recently called Not in God's Name, um, and it's by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, and he compares basically all of the Abrahamic faiths and why they there is so much um, violence and tension among them and how they've been used as like tools of evil and stuff, hence Not in God's Name. And one thing that he brings up kind of towards the end, spoiler, is that... Um, religion was never meant to be in power it's meant to influence the populace it's meant to influence people but it was never ever meant to be a tool of power because when you see religion in power it's always going to be destructive like and it was just like that Mm -hmm. it's what good old phil fisher says when you yeah you see your community pushed to the sidelines you go quietly that's that's where you're supposed to be well, and it speaks to, and this is one of my... He means that in a in a power sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, in like not a, a, hey, you marginalized communities should say stay marginalized. Yeah, no, 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 I just no. realized how that sounded. No. Uh, <laughs> now you're good. It also goes, though, to, and this is one of my, you know, again, circling back to the election and the insurrection and all that stuff, but what was so clear to me after 2016's election was that, like, white evangelical Christians had really given up on, like, even trying to hide the fact that they just want to win, and that's the goal. Like, they want to win, they want to show up everyone else, they want to be the silent majority, and, oh, you thought you were, you know, stick it to the libs, um, all that kind of stuff. They want to be the underdog. They want to, you can't have it both ways. You can't be a martyr and a person in power. I'm sorry, but they want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was so disheartening to even hear that in like my family members mm-hmm. who voted for Trump and who have had this persecution complex about liberal media and they can say whatever they want about us and everyone could, you know, whatever. Um, that could be a whole other podcast episode, but um, yeah, it was just about winning. And they really literally sold their soul to the devil. Yeah, it's it's like one of those times where I really hope that divine punishment does exist. Like, because, <laughs> like, there are people, like, because, like, there are people, you know, we see it. Like, they live good lives on Earth. They spend their entire lives trampling upon um, other communities. And they, you know, die at a ripe old age. 
Um, and it's like that moment Whereas, where it's like, yeah, I believe that Whereas it's like, I believe everyone can died. be redeemed. Yeah, Sorry. exactly. No, no, no. I know exactly what you're getting at. Like where she died sadly, like Suddenly. out of the blue. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like really, really on, like it was unlucky. Like that's really what it was. But it's like, it's one of those moments where I truly believe that anybody can be redeemed. I think that's the quote unquote magic of Christianity, but there are people out there where I just hope that there is some sort of Whoa. divine punishment or post life guilt trip that people get well, sent know, on. You know, I believe that redemption that has structure. consequences. Yeah. In a way, you know, like that in order to be redeemed, you have to actually like be genuinely sorry and repentant for your actions. And, you know, I think it may very work well, to make it better. It, it may very well take Trump an eternity to do that. And so he will, probably willingly choose to be well we haven't had an episode talking about hell yet but just a taste here um i kind of think that hell is a place that one can be redeemed from but there is like an existence that one can have where you choose to live apart from god in and sort of be destroyed by your own by your own anger, hubris your own, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I get closer and closer every day to believing in pur- purgatory. Yeah, <laughs> I have said several times that, like, if, you know, I believe that if someone is truly saved and, you know, whatever, and they go to heaven. But, like, there are some people, Donald Trump included, a lot of others included, that I just want to be there for the moment they meet God and God can just, like, rip them a brand new asshole. And, like, <laughs> Yeah, I want to see, I want to see Mitch McConnell get a new one torn up, like you know, like that's yeah. (laughs) Oh shoot, I am so sorry. I mean, yeah, I am so sorry. To be fair, one of my friends, um, tiny side story. Uh, so she's an actor and she's very much in the fight community. So like, she's trained to be able to like fight with swords and do like fight choreography and stuff and she's like the only reason i'd want to run for congress is so i could properly punch mitch mcconnell in the face i'd get arrested but that's the only reason why i'd want to run for congress and i'm like that's amazing that broke out on the senate floor it needs to happen it needs absolutely i mean i like my representatives so (laughs) congresswoman judy chu if you listen uh you're great. Keep doing what you do, girl. <laughs> yeah, and Mitch McConnell, if you're listening as a constituent, um, kindly I have retire. We need to <laughs> please, um, please retire. Yeah, John yeah. Mulaney came to, was he at UK? He was at UK. The comedian John Mulaney. Mm-hmm. Complicated issues. Mm-hmm. I know now I have complicated, I yeah. Love. Yeah. Um, but he came to uh, the University of Kentucky and did a show that we went to and he described Mitch McConnell as a man who looks like his face is eating his own face. When he opened the show, he said, they asked me to come to the University of Kentucky and I said, name two alumni. Yeah. And they said, was Mitch McConnell one of them? Mitch McConnell and, and Ashley, Ashley Judd. Judd. And he yeah. said, that is two very different ends of the spectrum. I'm there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so I think as we're maybe going to try to wrap up a little bit here, I figured it would be fun to end with talking about the origin stories of our podcast because a big thing that happened yeah. here 
was launching yeah. podcasts. Um, yeah. if, if you had told me on January 1st, 2021, that at the end of the year I'd have a podcast, I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. yeah. when did we start? I actually should have looked that up. You could. I remember <laughs> it started because we had a day of literally sending each other 10 minute long snap stories. <laughs> I still plans. have the notes. Yes. I have two little sheets of post-it notes mm-hmm. that were ideas about what we could talk about yeah, on our podcast. Yeah. I still have them. I think because we were working from home mm-hmm. at the time, mm-hmm. we had a running gag on Snapchat where we would snap each other like we were coming to talk to each other in the office. Mm-hmm. And so we would tell each other about <laughs> um, Kristen stealing my lunch out of the fridge mm-hmm. in the break room and like, what the heck? And I could literally hear Chuck talking from down the office. Like, um... And then we just started talking about this, and uh, I I don't know. I think eventually one of us was like, should we do the millennial thing and start a podcast <laughs> for no reason? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We have nothing better to do. And mm-hmm. we like talk and spend time with each other. Um, June. In June, okay. Yeah. Yep. Ooh, of 2020? June 11th of this year. Wait, but you guys launched before that. Right? Wait. Wait. Hold on. I mean, uh-huh. June June is what I've got here. You guys launched in, like, April, right? Or May? June 11th. <laughs> You're correct. You're, sorry, she's on our Instagram account. You are correct. Oh. That is three episodes. We started mm-hmm. But, well, your, your social media 5th. launched earlier. Yeah. Yes, yes. Gotcha. Yes. Our social, social media, media launched launched April, or marched, um, launched April 21st. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Got it. Oh, wait, your social media launched April 21st. Our first episode yeah. was released April 20th. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it was also really good. I mean, like, just on a personal note, um, my mom passed away in May. She had cancer. Oh. She'd been sick for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was, like, one thing that even when I was, like, going through that, I was, like, still, like, looking up stuff for our podcast it was like keeping me busy keeping me i don't know something to be excited about so that was really good and i am very thankful for that as well yeah and i think that was part of my motivation for 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 going along i yeah because i was like she needs this and i I know but it was a big thing for for us was you know i have a toddler and i've Mm -hmm. you know at the time we didn't know but i have one on the way too and so um, our lives are crazy. I'm about to enter my dissertation research. Well, mm-hmm. we'll see. That's the whole thing. But, um, and so, like, we're so busy all the time. And then the pandemic and just everything was so crazy. We just never got to see each other. Mm-hmm. And so it started as just, like, this love letter to each other. Yeah. Just, like, let's just sit and talk. And, and we have a lot to say. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but I also wanted to have a space, um just coming from my deconstruction journey of not not just um, ripping the evangelical church, but also genuinely just having a really hard time of figuring out where I fit um, mm-hmm. in my marriage and in my life and with my friends and, and religiously, that's always been a very difficult space for me. Having a place to talk about the diversity of the church in a positive light um, was, was really exciting to me. And so... Yeah. So and I think we, that's what drove it for me. We've been friends since seventh grade. So, like, we, mm-hmm. we yeah. grew up together. 
we both know that we love the church and love our faith and always will come at it from a place of love but then also the opportunity to like talk about what we would love to see change i mean we love it and that's why we we are critical yeah Yeah. and that's something that some people don't like understand that this is coming from a place of like love and when they where they see anger i see grief right exactly yeah Yeah. So for yeah. us, I guess in the podcast, we haven't quite, well, I guess kind of in our intro episode, we talk about it a little bit. And at the at the beginning, we already said we, or wait, actually, that might have been the other podcast where we talked about how we met. Um, <laughs> well, d- we'll delete this part about how we met if it's already in this episode. Um, we met at the Q Christian Fellowship Conference. We have never met in person, but we have continued yeah. to just record all of our episodes virtually. Um, so, but the origin of it, um, so at the Key Christian Fellowship Conference, I first um, created a, um, on the conference platform, you could create group chats. Um, I was like, oh, there's no evangelical group chat yet. Let me create it. And mm-hmm. so I did. And then uh, people were, kept talking and it was just like, I created the space. Oh my God. And people like talking and finding each other. And then I was like, let's do a Zoom meetup. And you could do that also in like the conference platform. Yeah. And so we did, and then people were like, oh, we want to, after the meetup, they were like, oh, we want to keep talking, and I'm like, let's create a Facebook group. Uh, and so I created that, <laughs> just like yeah. this sort of domino effect, and um, and then after that, I guess, Anna, you helped with organizing some meetups through the Facebook group a few months after that, and then, you know, when we started the podcast, we didn't really do those meetups anymore, but... <laughs> I would love to do those meetups again. Yeah, maybe cause... you can post in it after this. Yes, yeah, Absolutely. Um, also, you know what's interesting, too? I don't remember if you were at the Women's Affinity Gathering. I was. But then, like, okay, yeah, because then there was also an affinity gathering of women and femme-identified mm-hmm. humans where they had, like, different areas where you could break out. And I think we broke out either into an ex-evangelical or a purity culture one. It was oh, one of the culture. two. purity culture. Yeah, and then, like, it was funny because then the two kind of ended up overlapping. Like, it was the yeah. same people going to the same <laughs> ones. Um, but, yeah, so it was... Being able to meet through that. Um, yeah, and really connect. And so it was after one of the meetups, I think, in March. Um, yeah, it was like a four-hour-long meetup, too. Like, like, we hung out for a while. <laughs> honestly, all of us were like, oh, yeah, we need to go eat, don't we? Let's stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just, I mean, it was because we talked for so long, and I was just like, you know, there's so much to talk about. And, like, I was just was like, I, I texted it and I was like, let's start a podcast. And one of the people who was in that meetup with us was our first interviewee, uh, Amy Kosha. Um, and I'm just so glad that you said yes, Anna, when I asked you because. This yeah. And yeah. So and it's so funny because like for a long time I was like, oh, I have so many thoughts about this. and I just want to talk about it. But where? No one listened. No. And I was and also like, like thing- but I was also like, I want like someone to be able to like talk to about it and be able to like have like a community and stuff and so like when you reached out it was like wow this is like the spirit this isn't this is this is the spirit this is an answer to a prayer i've never had but awesome this is great and so yeah um we launched in april on your birthday i believe yes it was on my yeah birthday. so that means and that our the anniversary will be on my birthday <laughs> yes um, but yeah, it's Amazing. been so fun. We have fun, exciting interviews and stuff planned for next year. Um, yeah, we're just excited to just keep 
going. And one thing I think that's cool is because now there are so many um, exvangelical deconstruction, like progressive theology podcasts out there now. Yeah. My hope is that when young queer kids or kids that are questioning what they believe Google that it'll be con it'll be like I never thought I'd use this with a positive connotation but it'll be so convoluted with progressive theology things that that'll be the first thing that people find it's not going to be the things condemning them that's why it's important to rate us on the apple podcast because guess what the majority of the the podcasts (laughs) the majority of the podcasts that are in the like religion or christian section on Apple Podcasts, the top ones are conservative. So if you want to see more progressive ones up there, gotta rate us on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Um, yes. And um, another thing I just want to say, another part of the origin, I think, was, like, I had just started listening to, like, so many more, like, you know, ex-evangelical and progressive Christian podcasts in 2021. Like, the Dirty Rotten Church Kids are great. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, God is great, always great to listen to. Um I guess. Oh, one thing. Uh, in 2017, I wanted to start a YouTube channel. I'm very glad that I didn't because at the time I was so convinced that I was straight. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, I think what's interesting is that the, that desire that I had back then uh, that I was like, oh, I want to create something and like talk about it in this way. Like it's yeah. it's, it's been able to be filled through, through this. Um, Particularly because, like, you know, blogging isn't really as popular as it was, you know, at the height of Rachel Todd Evans blogging. I feel like if Rachel Todd Evans were, like, doing her thing today, she would have probably started a podcast. Yeah. 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 Um, um, Yeah. And and also there are just so many amazing people on, like, YouTube as well. And then, of course, now with, you know, progressive Christian, queer Christian, ex-evangelical TikTok, like, that's, like, a whole other community in and of itself it's where it's just like oh my gosh there's so many affirming members of clergy on tiktok now Mm -hmm. like it's very like only blessing of the pandemic is now if you want to go to an affirming church you can probably find one virtually like i just think that's awesome like you're not limited to your community which is great yeah and i do have to say not to like be a kiss up but um I don't know, just, like, you guys also talk more about, um, like, the queer Christian community than mm-hmm. probably we do, for good reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I do think that that is so important, because I can remember being a 13, 14-year-old kid, like, on the early days of the internet, Googling, can you be gay and Christian, and, like, being so uh, tore yeah. up. And, like, mm-hmm. I felt... Because the results were awful. Yeah. And thank God when I when I made that search in 2017, I found at the time it was called the Gay Christian Network website. It's that that's yeah. now Q Christian Fellowship. Um I'm really glad that I found that and I was able to you know, see the stories of so many queer Christians and I was like, "Oh, they exist. Right. <laughs> we exist." Yeah. And I yeah. wish that like a podcast or something like your alls and like everything that exists now was there when I was a younger teenager because I Yeah. The thing we just need to combat, the thing we need to combat now, as we've seen, you know, with more visibility comes just, like, stronger backlash from the other side. And so it's like, I hope that also that they're not being scared away from it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one thing I will say, um, so Nadia Bowles-Weber, on the day of the 2020 election, um, she was doing a thing where every hour she had um, different guests and it It was, like, meditations and prayer and, like, just people from a whole bunch of different faith communities, which was amazing. And one quote that I remember writing down that day because it, like, 
hit me in the gut was she said, sometimes when something is about to change, it gets worse before it gets better because it rages when it knows it's already lost. Um, so it's, which like, I know it punched me in the gut. I cried like a baby, but it really like, it just like, it's like hearing that it's like, it's going to get better. Like, and the thing is people like you see these people going up against like ex-evangelical and deconstruction because they know that people are going to change and like that the church has to change or it's going to be very much divided into Christians and then white supremacists with a splash of Christo fascism, you know, like it's not, you, it can't exist the way that it's been existing. I fully believe that this is the revival that a lot of people have mm-hmm. been praying for, and those mm-hmm. same people like don't see that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, that's that's a good way to end our hope for twenty twenty two. Things will yeah. continue yes. to change, and that you know, yeah, the the garbage that has been spewing out is not going to impact like how we're continuing to live and in the world and try yeah. to hope and love yeah. and all that jazz. And always stay and always stay vigilant. Always vote. Uh get involved yes. in your communities. Um it's so 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 important. Um and let's hope that maybe yeah. we can get out of this pandemic because dear God wear a mask people. Wear a mask. <laughs> wear a mask. Get your booster shot if you're able to Sarah's the poster child for boost do boosters work? Yes they do. They sure do. COVID, I was <gasps> fully exposed, but Ooh. I was the only one that had my booster. Whoa, that's wow. amazing. Yeah. Nice. I know, I'm like a little, I'm a little uh, vaccine cocktail now, because I have Pfizer and Moderna in my body, oh. so I'm like, okay. yeah. <laughs> well, um, this episode is going to be released a little bit before uh, New Year's Eve, so Happy New Year's to our listeners. Yeah. yeah. I wish I had a little noisemaker. Yeah, yeah well, thank of course. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. It was so much fun. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on your podcast. Absolutely. Listen, if you want to do a Christmas tradition of Bible Jeopardy. And year in review. Better. I was Please. thinking we need to do this. Like, for as long as both of our podcasts last, it's going to be a Let's tradition. Do it. Yes. Well, bang. Gang, gang. I'm here for it. <laughs> We're working on an outro song. This is just the placeholder. Yeah. yeah! That was so much fun, even though, uh, mm-hmm. just so y'all know, we recorded that, uh, we recorded both of the episodes, uh, ours and theirs, on, uh, <laughs> in one session, uh, that yeah. lasted from, like, 8.40-something to, like, almost 1 o'clock in the morning, and my voice, yeah. my voice near the end was probably, like, if it's hoarse, it's because of that, that I've been talking for, like, four hours late into the night, so. Yeah, it and it's, like, it. <laughs> yeah, and I know for myself, like, it was amazing, it was awesome to have that conversation, I know I get Zoom fatigued, though, so there is, like, a good portion where I was just, like, looking down and, like, fidgeting and stuff, because I'm just, like, I'm listening, I swear I'm listening, I swear I'm engaged, but I was just, like, uh, I've been looking at my screen for the last four hours, <laughs> I need to look away, but it was absolutely incredible, um, and Hopefully, fingers crossed, this is an annual occurrence. Like, yes. we would love to Absolutely. have Sarah and Jordan back on um, and just do these years in review. Like, it was just really nice. It was a really nice way to wrap up for both of us our first year being podcasters. Yeah, it was definitely cool to, like, see how their what their origin story was and what our origin story is. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're going to go into, uh, we're going to have, like, a high of the week and also high of the year to end yeah. off our final episode of 2021, so. Yeah. 
Okay, I can go first. So my uh, high of the week was I got my first grad school offer a few days Yay! ago. What's uh, uh, University of Denver. Cool. So uh, I don't think, have you said on the podcast you're going into social work, studying social work? Yeah, um, I want to, and it's funny because it kind of also connects to my high of the year too, is I want to work with kids and teens. Um, oh. Like that's kind of where I feel the most called to be, but I want to work with uh, people in the queer community and people who are, you know, victims of religious trauma. Because uh, sadly, that Venn diagram is almost a perfect circle. And I guess that connects to my high of the year. Because I guess my high of the year was, and this, I feel like we're always plugging uh, Q Christian Conference. <laughs> but it was going to a conference because I yeah. met some of my best friends. I've met some of my best friends. I met April through there. This podcast wouldn't exist without conference. And it's like a weird chain reaction because I met so many people and I heard their stories. And then being able to volunteer with Q Christian Fellowship and lead coming out groups and being like, I want to do this for a living, but I want to be properly credentialed to do so. Mm -hmm. Like it all kind of, it was kind of like going down a rabbit hole. Like it started with me being like, it's conferences online. Like it's relatively, it was like relatively cheap too. I was like, Mm -hmm. Yeah. What the heck? I'll just go. And now it's me getting into school for social work and being like, I'm going to be studying that in just a few months, honestly. So that's, that was, again, connecting that. And there were so many other amazing things that happened this year too, but I think that one had the biggest impact to where I am now and to where my next year seems to be going. So yeah, that was my high of the week, which is also connected to my high of the year, which was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, um, I also this year have sort of realized in my um, journey about what my vocation is, and we're going to probably have an episode about vocation next year, um, mm-hmm. but I realized that I also have such a passion for working with like kids and, and teens, and particularly like LGBTQ youth, making sure they know that they are loved. Um, mm-hmm. And like, though like slightly differently from you, I'm going the theological route. <laughs> I want to yeah. be like a... I don't know if you call it a minister. I'm not going to be, I'm not called to ordination, but definitely called to ministry. Um, and um, yeah, so that, oh, actually, honestly, a high, yeah, getting into grad school. I got into the, uh, <laughs> yes, the, you did. Yeah, the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. And that was just like, mm-hmm. it was like, oh my God, I'm going to grad school. And I actually, um, I deferred for a year. Uh, so that's why I'm not going there right now. But I did uh, recently pay my enrollment deposit. Uh, so <gasps> oh, it's I happening. That's high. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, trying to think of maybe one more thing to mention, because I don't know, the the enrollment deposit didn't technically happen, like, this week. Um, I've been working more in editing my memoir, and that's been really fun. Oh, that's fun. awesome. Um, getting through one of the hardest parts to edit, which is uh, about the, the, the 2016 election. It's just mm-hmm. hard to, like, look back on those times. Um, but it is... It is good to have that as, like, part of my, I don't know what I'm saying. You can just cut whatever I just, okay. It's okay. Um, yeah, so I guess we will see y'all in uh, 2022. Yeah, and while you're at it, be sure to, again, follow us on all the social medias. Um, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. I have not updated the YouTube in a while. I need to do that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and also, uh, if you're interested in becoming a patron, please feel free to do so. Um, my aunt is a patron. She lives in India. We didn't know this till last week. Yeah. Not that not that she lived in India, but that she was a patron, and, was, and I was like... Okay, it was so funny, though, when I... 
<laughs> when I like told you, I, I, I texted Anna and I was like, oh, we have someone who joined the $15 patron tier. And Anna asked like, who? And I texted the name and she was just like, oh, uh, that's my end. <laughs> that is so, and it's funny because like, because I tell people about our podcast, but you know, I don't know how many people are listening and from where and stuff. So I think it's not only cool to be like, oh, cool. I do have people in my life that listen to this, but it's like, oh, so Aunt Diane, if you are listening to this episode, thank you so much. That's yes, really sweet. So and it was such a, me. it was such a fun, um, fun surprise for the both of us, uh, seeing as our pa- Patreon activity has been pretty limited. No, almost, um, yeah, almost. It's been almost non-existent. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much. And if you are interested in joining our Patreon, you absolutely can. But you just being here and listening and rating and reviewing on Apple, um, is and sharing if you so desire that is more than enough and we just can't thank you enough also, for being here one more thing is even though yes. this episode is long enough i just wanted to quickly say i noticed that there's um there's been an increase in the percentage of people under 17 who are listening to this in like the past month or so Whoa, uh, really? if that's you yeah if that's you we'd, we'd love to connect with you you know we hope that like this podcast is getting into the hands of like youth that are in non-affirming context so yeah if you want to connect with us please do yeah please connect with us and we'd also be more than happy to pass along other resources that we know mm-hmm. that are affirming for young queer people as well that's so cool i didn't know that yeah i'll show you the um, yes please do soon, but... awesome please do Alrighty, friends so happy holidays happy new year and we will see you next year my friends